I was expecting music. <laughs> Apparently, we didn't pull it off. How's that go? Akuna Matata. <laughs> so, well, welcome everyone. Thanks for coming this morning. I actually want to thank you for coming to church. You know, there's a lot of places that you could have been, like still in bed, <laughs> or home drinking a cup of coffee and watching TV or something. But because you're here, it means something. It means that you've chosen to uh, put the priority on the kingdom of God, that uh, God's doing something in your life, or maybe it's because you're hungry, that you're des- you, you are desiring more, uh-huh. or maybe even uh, a, a more noble uh, reason is that you recognize the value of gathering together with God's people. You come to serve, you come to help others, as well as be uh, as well as to receive and be blessed yourself. So thank you for being the church, for, for demonstrating that by, by being here. It means, means a lot. And it's, it's exciting to be part of a congregation that is willing to press forward and to see growth and to see the kingdom come. And uh, <clears throat> as a church, we're in a uh, significant... Uh, I see, it seems like I'm always saying this, but we're in a significant season. You know, uh, We've started the Vandalia Church so uh, we we're having weekly services down there. So yesterday I did a wedding here in the afternoon. Then I did a Sunday, uh, Saturday service down in Vandalia. And then I'm back here doing two services. And then uh, I have an appointment this afternoon. And then I leave for Toronto. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be a, a busy week. <clears throat> but it's, it's great to see God doing so many good things. Well, we want to continue the Sermon on the Mount series. And um, as I've uh, been saying all along that... This uh, series is different in that we're really taking our time to dig deep into uh, verse-by-verse expository of, of the sermon. And the sermon is Jesus' vision statement for His kingdom. It's what He expects of His disciples. Oh, boo-boo-boo, what happened? That was weird. <clears throat> did, I, did I do it? I there we go. So, <clears throat> my clicker got stuck. So it's what he expects of his disciples. We talked about, uh, the last time I spoke, about treasures on earth versus uh, heavenly treasures and, and uh, um, things about money. And today we're going to look at anxiety and worry. <laughs> All right? uh, and as he's going through these characteristics, as Jesus is discussing the characteristics of of the kingdom of God, these characteristics should make us stand out. They should distinguish us. And kingdom distinction prevents kingdom extinction. Alright? And I mean that in two ways. And that as we live distinctly kingdom character, as we demonstrate the character of God in our daily lives, the kingdom will not go extinct in our life. Personally. All right, the influence of God, the influence of, uh, of the nature of God in us will not just fade away. But it also in society, it takes Christians, it takes uh, men and women that are willing to be different, to look different, to act different, to sound different, so that the kingdom continues in, in our country. All right, I was just a few weeks ago in, in the, the country of Turkey. At one point that was completely Christianized. It was the center of, of, of the Christian church for over a thousand years. And now it's 99.8% Muslim. The kingdom of God in that, in that region, that geographic region, has practically gone extinct. And we don't want that to happen here. And it can. 
Now God's working and, and God's sending missionaries and God hasn't given up. Alright? And there is redemption available. But it, 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 it takes active uh, uh, desire and a pursuit of the kingdom, right, the kingdom of God and His righteousness to prevent that. And so that's why we're talking about this. And this is why Jesus is explaining what the kingdom of God is all about. So we're going to read this passage and then, then kind of dig in. So it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more, uh, how, how much will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? By the way, when Jesus says, O you of little faith, that's not deriding. Okay? That's not like criticizing. It's kind of a term of endearment. It's like, O you little boo-boo. <laughs> You little silly one. Really, it is. <clears throat> Therefore, do not be anxious. <laughs> what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? <laughs> For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need the, them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How many want all these things added? Come on. <clears throat> yeah, we, and God knows that. God knows we want those things and need those things. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So let's just take this verse by verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? So this is a continuation. Remember that last time I spoke in the uh, the preceding verses talk about uh, do not store up for yourself uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust you know destroy. So this is a continuation of Jesus' uh, address uh, concerning materialism. Actually, when he when he the previous verse all the way to the end of this chapter is all about materialism. First he talked about money, but then he turns and talks about. Uh, anxiety, and he talks about the stuff that we buy with money, <laughs> right? And what we use money to, uh, what we attempt to use money to uh, satisfy, which is our anxieties and, and our worries. We we think that we can buy our way out of that, and he and he addresses that uh, straight on. So it's a continuation of dealing with our understanding or, or the issue of materialism in our life. Do not be anxious about life. And that's a command. But if you choose, and this, please hear me, you can receive it as a prophetic, creative word. Alright? Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. You know, it's one thing to hear that as a command. Don't be anxious. It's another thing to hear that as God's creative word. Saying, no anxiety. 
no anxiety. And you can receive it as... Uh, uh, in fact, I uh, listen to... Um, I have this uh, soaking music. How many know what soaking music is? It's like instrumental, uh, mellow music to kind of get you into the presence of God. But this one <clears throat> artist has uh, soaking music and he speaks a particular verse. And each song is about 15 minutes long. And he just repeats that one verse over and over again. Real, just, you know, a lot of instrumental. And then he'll just say, Do not be anxious about your life. You know, and if I can't get to sleep, in fact, last night I was listening to it because I woke up at 4 o'clock, couldn't get back to sleep, so I put in the headphones. Do not be anxious about your life. And I'm like, okay, I won't. <laughs> it's like, it's like if you receive it, it just really changes itself. <clears throat> so Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about the necessities of life. Food and drink and clothing. And if we're not to worry about those kind of things, how much less should we worry about the other things of life? Right? The main point that Jesus is getting us to think about is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. <clears throat> Jesus is asking what we value most. Life or the food we eat to sustain it. Our body or the clothing we wear to decorate it. And you might say, <clears throat> of course life is more important than food. But stop for a minute and evaluate your life or maybe someone else's life that you know. <laughs> well, they evaluate your life. <laughs> How often do we go living life just for the next meal? You know, and I'm not, I'm not even saying it's like if you have a problem with food. I'm just saying, you know, you just live in, you, you eat to have strength so you can work. So you can make money, so you can buy food, so you can eat, to have strength, to go to work. And that's like all of life. And then pretty soon you're just, you know, it's all about, well, what am I going to eat next? What am I going to do that? You know, I just, it kind of, and, and Jesus is asking, really, is that what it's all about? Is that, is that what life's about? Isn't life more than what you had for supper? Well, yeah. Isn't your body, body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that more, you know, so why are you worried about the clothing more than your body? Why are you worried about the food more than life itself? <clears throat> I, I don't think you could find a more pertinent topic for our day. Um, uh, but Jesus was speaking to people 2,000 years ago. And so it was pertinent for his day as well. Uh, that's because worry and materialism is a human condition. It's not restricted to any particular people or any time. All right, So it's not just something we deal with. It's something all of mankind deals with in every country in the world. Even uh, countries where there's, there's uh, 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 abject poverty, they still worry and they, they fuss over, you know, in some senses you think they would, they would worry more. But in our society, because, simply because we're a wealthy society, we have so much more stuff to worry about. You know, the latest phone, the latest tablet, the latest laptop, uh, all the different things that are competing. All these things are competing for our attention. And Jesus is trying to explain that in the kingdom, uh, we need to have priorities. Uh, the Life Application Bible says concerning this verse, it says, Worry may damage your health, cause the object of your worry to consume your thoughts, disrupt your productivity, 
negatively affect the way you treat others (laughs) and reduce your ability to trust in God. How many ill effects of worry are you experiencing? All these things uh, affect us. Here is the difference between worry and genuine concern. Worry immobilizes, but concern moves you to action. And so when you find yourself immobilized or paralyzed, like I don't know what to do, all these things are coming on me, that's worry. You're just in a state of anxiety. Where genuine concern uh, motivates you. Oh, this is a concern I have to do. And so there's nothing wrong with genuine concern and acting out of genuine concern, seeing a need and, and, and going to meet that need. But worry is when you get paralyzed and and. And um, Jesus is addressing that state of mind. And let me just say, I, can, I have sympathy for people struggling with anxiety. And I think if people are honest, almost everyone struggles with anxiety and worry. And I have had seasons of my life where I have uh, experienced paralyzing anxiety because of issues in my life that were out of my control. And uh, they were very, very serious. And so I've had times where it has been like I couldn't even figure out what to do next. Um, and uh, so I, I know what it's like to be overcome with waves of anxiety that you don't even know where they're, it's coming from. And in the midst of that, you can reach out and you can lay hold of the promise of Jesus and the command of Jesus is do not worry. You can you can rest in that and say uh, he's in control. I'm not. Thank God for that. <laughs> All right. So Jesus makes his point, and then he gives three illustrations. We're going to kind of jump through these illustrations quickly. First, he says, "Okay, uh, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they?" So the commentator I've been using writes concerning this. says, what is prohibited is worry, not work. And that's an important distinction. All right? Even the birds have to spend a lot of energy hunting or searching for their food. Have you ever watched a, a flock of birds? Uh, have you ever studied out? You watch how they, they, they'll hit one uh, lawn and then they'll go to the next lawn. And then it's like, you know, it's just, they're constantly about looking for food. So it's not like they're just sitting in their nest going, uh, when's the domino this guy getting here? <laughs> when's God, God going to deliver my food? No. They're, they're out looking for the food, but uh, it's there to be found. They're able to find it. Um, it says, and it is provided by your heavenly Father. That the provision comes from, we have a heavenly Father. A true understanding of that phrase is the ultimate antidote to anxiety. I think France nails it on the head. If we understood that we have a heavenly Father that is the provider, whatever anxiety we have, it will just wash away in the knowledge of the Father, our relationship with the Father. Second illustration is, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, in some of your Bibles, it may be translated a cubit. The word span of life can also be translated height. It just literally, actually, it just means a measure, a, a span, a, a length. And so it's used both of time and, and distance. And so <clears throat> if, if took 
to mean uh, a cubit to your height, a cubit is 18 inches, which is quite a bit. <laughs> um, and it's unlikely Jesus meant. So, I, so most, many translators think it, it, it meant a span to your, your life uh, and not your height. Uh, it can be translated either way. It doesn't really matter because it, the, the meaning of it is anxiety, in any case, achieves nothing. All right, you can't you can't do anything. In fact, uh, it may shorten your life. Right? It may make you shorter. <laughs> so there's no point in anxiety doesn't produce anything uh, beneficial. And then the third illustration is consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know, lilies don't worry about being lilies. When a lily is growing, a flower in the field, it doesn't like have to strive. Okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out. I think I'll put a leaf out this way. Oh now, what should I do? Like I gotta look prettier than this. Uh, I wish I just had, you know, something more frilly up here. <laughs> doesn't read self-help books. <laughs> Doesn't buy the magazines and the checkout line. How to be a prettier lily. <laughs> no, you know what? It just is what it is. It's just, it's its DNA, right? It's it's just being true to itself. And the idea here is, especially as new creations in Christ, once we're in the kingdom, you see, we we just are to live our true identity. And in doing that, our, our, our recreated identity, renewed through faith in Jesus Christ, when we're born again, when we're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, we don't have to strive to be what God calls us to be. It is who we are. Right? And so we don't have to worry. It's just, it, you're just allowing the reality of what God has done in you to, be, to unfold uh, uh, through you and out of you. And that, Jesus says, is more glorious than Solomon in all of his glory. And Solomon was the wealthiest and grandest of all the Hebrew kings. And so he's saying all of that outward stuff isn't to be compared to the, the simple wildflower. <clears throat> Alright, so then Jesus goes on and he's trying, and he's asking these questions. He's trying to get his audience, the people listening to him, and and the Word of God is trying to get us as we read Scripture to to think. Right? When Jesus asks questions, he's trying to get us to think, uh, to process. Um, concerning the birds of the air, he says, "Are you not of more value than they, and of the flowers? Uh, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith?" So. In, in, in asking these questions about value uh, and, and Jesus trying to get us to think, you have to understand that you can't in, overcome anxiety just by saying, don't be anxious. All right? Some of the anxious go, quit being anxious. You know? anxious about being anxious. You know? This just makes it worse. So, with that command, he's giving us a way to overcome anxiety by challenging our value system. Alright? Aren't you of more value than that? 
So again, this is about materialism and about our relationship with things and how we interact with that. And he's saying, listen, you're more value in that. So anxiety is not understanding our true value. And he's trying to get us to understand uh, and ask, uh, uh, cause us to reevaluate how we value things, but also how we understand how our Father values us. Those questions are not about what we value. Those questions were about what the Father values and how valuable you are. Are not you of more value? Will not He clothe you more? So He's really challenging not just your values, He's challenging your understanding of the Father's value. Don't you understand how much God values you? Why are you worrying? Don't you understand how much God values you? And see, the difference there is that it's not even a change of your value system. It's not like you have to repent of your value system. Alright? I mean, you may need to do that, but the process of the way you do that is by understanding God's value system. He's giving you just information of truth. He's giving you truth. God's values, God values you so much. And if you understood that, then you would understand that there's no reason for worry. Does that make sense? You know? <clears throat> I think it makes sense. <laughs> he drives the issue of materialism and worry to its root. Okay? Our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Alright? The issue of materialism and worry. The real issue there is our relationship with our Father. That's, that's the underlying thing that Jesus is saying. Um, he says, Do not be anxious saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Uh, <clears throat> worries are answered with, Your heavenly Father knows you need them. Uh, an understanding that we have a Father. And so turning our attention and our mental energy away from the need or the lack or the perceived uh, uh, issue or thing that we, we don't have, and turning that focus to the provider is how we find freedom from fear. Not looking at what we don't have, but looking at what we have. Right? And what we have is a Heavenly Father that cares for us, that knows our needs, knows what we need, knows what we lack, knows our problem, knows the situation, and He's able to answer that. So turning the focus on Him is what settles our mind and, and how we find peace in the place of anxiety. All right? So it's kind of like indirectly dealing with anxiety by directing our thoughts to Him. And then He says, Seek first... Uh, this is really the climax of this passage. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So he's saying, <clears throat> instead of worrying and having anxiety, in its place we're to seek the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, and uh, <clears throat> it says, Gentiles seek material things. And Gentiles is just referring to people that are disconnected with their relationship with the Father. And certainly, uh, uh, to the crowd he's talking to were non-Jews, but in this context he's saying people that have not come into relationship with, a faith relationship with the Father, they're not a covenant people, they're, they're, they're grasping for material things. But in the kingdom, uh, we're to seek first 
God's kingdom and His righteousness. Um, and knowing that in uh, doing so, all of our needs are going to be added to us. It's having a confidence that when we prioritize the kingdom of God, um, God is going to prioritize our needs. All right? Uh, the word first and foremost means first in time, in place, in a succession of things or persons. So if you think of all the things in your life, your job, your uh, house, your possessions, your responsibilities, your bank account, all the different things, your ch- children, your spouse, uh, you line them all up. Right in the, in the front of that line, the thing that you're to, the, to concern yourself most with is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what that means is reproducing God's righteousness in your life. All right, understanding the righteousness of God and seeing that righteousness be reproduced in you and in your life. And when you do that, all of the things that are lined up behind will fall into the proper place and will be able to benefit from the, what you're seeking, what you're receiving from the Father. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, but if you put, if you focus on one of those things, second or third down the line, and you put that in the place of the kingdom of God and you know, the righteousness of God, then it's going to get out of order. Even though you're focusing that, you're just going to end up worrying about it. Because you won't have what it needs, what it, what it need, what it takes to answer that problem without getting it from the Father. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, and that's why we have to have the kingdom of God first. It must precede every other issue or concern in our life. Uh, and uh, turning uh, our, our attention to, the, to things is what gives us what we need uh, to uh, answer the problems in every other issue of our lives. It reminds me of the song, I can't sing it, I'm not a very good singer, <laughs> but the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full Into His Wonderful Face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You know, when we turn our eyes upon the Lord, when we get our, our focus on the kingdom, the, the worries of this world just grow dim. And that's because we're focused on the, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the, the God of the universe. We're focused on the one who can solve all of our problems instead of focusing on the problems. All right? And that frees us. <clears throat> And the word seek implies in, in, it, in order to find. In other words, he's not uh, telling us to go after something that's not there. Uh, he's saying uh, seek uh, in order to find. By thinking, meditating, re- reasoning, inquiring into, to aim, to strive after, to require. What I like to demand. All right? There's a forcefulness in that. Okay? Jesus is calling us to active pursuit. No, not passive. And this is the thing that distinguishes uh, uh, one believer from another. Uh, is, you know, how active are you in your pursuit of God's kingdom and His righteousness? And it really makes a difference. And God, <clears throat> God uh, puts all of the things of the kingdom, uh, you know, they're, they're openly displayed, the Bible talks about. And, 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 and he's revealed the truths that in the olden times, you know, angels wondered about. And they're, they're now openly revealed in Scripture. And, and his characteristic, his spirit is openly, readily available. And all the things of God are available. And it's kind of like he's, he's stepping back and saying, okay, who's going to go for it? Who's going to go for it? Yeah. Who 
who's going to go for it? Who's going to seek first? Who's going to step back and just wait and see if it comes from the next FedEx delivery? You know? We live in a, in a society where we can get anything delivered to us with a push of a button. But you can't do that in the kingdom. You have to be active. You have to seek it out. You have to pursue it. You have to pursue the righteousness of God. You have to pursue the kingdom of God. And you pursue it with an expectation that your heavenly Father will provide. That you know in your pursuit, it's not a vain pursuit. It's a pursuit that God has put it there. Uh, he's, he's intended it to be found by you. He wants you to find it. All right? And He'll lead you in that place. So anxiety is like hunger. If you've experienced anxiety, uh, maybe you'll relate to this. It, it, it's a lot like hunger. Because um, it eats away <laughs> inside your soul. And you can't just say, don't be hungry. Right? If someone's really hungry, and you go, don't be hungry, are they still going to be hungry? Yeah, they're still going to be hungry. Um, the same thing with anxiety. Don't be anxious. Well, they're still going to be anxious. That's because that it, you need to be fed. That anxiety needs something to satisfy it. Right? And the food that removes anxiety is not material, is what Jesus is saying. Because there's always something or, or, or someone uh, with, that has more than you have. Or there's something else that you want. Right? There's always the next iPhone. If you get the newest one, in six months they come out with another one. All right? <clears throat> Whatever you have is going to be obsolete or it's going to break. All right? And so uh, material things will not satisfy the anxiety of your heart. Okay? What quenches anxiety is relationship with the Father. If you come into sonship with the Provider, then your relationship with every other thing changes. Okay, let me let me explain this for a minute. Just yesterday, I did a wedding. It was great. It was a fun wedding, and <clears throat> the bride, uh, at the beginning of the service, she was not related to any of the groom's family. Right? She was. Just, they were just you know friends of a friend. But once she said those vows, and she became you know Mrs. Jan Hall, all of a sudden, all of John's Relatives were now her relatives. Right? They were now her brother-in-law, her sister-in-law. And so her relationship with all those people changed because of the relationship she entered into, a covenant relationship with John. Well, it's the same thing with the Father. When you come into a relationship all right, with the Father, <clears throat> who is above all, He is the Creator of all, he is the sustainer of all. When you come into relationship as his son or daughter, then your relationship with everything in life changes. No longer are you under all the other demands of life, the needs of life, other people in your life. But, but what happens is, when you come into covenant relationship with the Father, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all all other things. And then you can see all of those things now are yours. Because you're the Father's. And the Father wants to give you all those things. And that relational change, your relationship with other things and other people changes because of your relationship with the Father. And when you lose understanding, you lose, you forget 
that about your relationship with the Father and what it means, that's when you come under subject to anxiety and the cares of this world. Because you're forgetting, hey, who you're related to and what position you really have in life. Uh, does that make sense? <clears throat> to me, it changes the equation of life. It changes how you relate to everything in life. You know? Okay. This is happening. Praise God. Father, how are we going to deal with that? You know? Uh, it's the key to overcoming uh, worry. And finally, he talks about, therefore not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I always think this is almost like a joke. You know? It's like, Jesus, <laughs> don't be anxious for tomorrow. You'll have enough anxiety for tomorrow. <laughs> so you wait till you get there, man. <laughs> you think it's bad today, wait till you see tomorrow. <laughs> um, but he's just, he's speaking truth. And, uh, uh, um, he ends of the section, and it's really probably one of the things that causes us the most anxiety. Is what about what's going to happen tomorrow? If it's this bad today, what's going to happen? Uh, what's going to happen? You know, when I get old, what's going to happen when I retire? Whatever. Um, you know, and it almost seems like an afterthought, but I believe that there's divine authority on this. Just like, uh, do not worry um, about things in life. Do not worry about tomorrow. And you can receive this as a prophetic word, as an authority that rests. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. In other words, you know what? Uh, if you come to the place where you can trust your Heavenly Father for the needs of today, you'll have enough faith to trust your Heavenly Father for the needs of tomorrow. Alright? So you just need to focus on what's happening today and enter into that relationship today and that will position you to be in the right place relationally with God that tomorrow you won't have to deal with anxiety. <clears throat> uh, uh, if we can't manage the needs of today, what makes us think we can take on tomorrow's problems? But Jesus tells us, you know what? You can be assured that... that tomorrow's issues are well uh, are, are in, in the Father's capable hands. Amen? Yeah. Alright. Phil has some announcements. Oh, good word.